Welcome to another episode of Counsel for the State. I'm Idaho Attorney General Lawrence Wasden. Counsel for the State is a podcast produced by my office. Our goal with each episode is to shed a little more light on the office, Idaho law, and other aspects of state government. By doing so, we hope to increase transparency and further your understanding. Thank you for listening, and remember all of our past episodes are available at ag.idaho.gov. Here's Council for the State host, Scott Graff. Welcome to Council for the State. National Consumer Protection Week is an annual event designed to raise the awareness surrounding consumer-related issues. These can include everything from consumer rights to avoiding fraud and scams. The Office of the Attorney General, through its Consumer Protection Division, is a regular participant in the week. And as of Sunday, March the 6th, that week is now upon us once again. And we'll spend our time today on this episode of Council for the State discussing several consumer-related matters, including the office's outreach efforts this week, as well as the annual Consumer Protection Report recently issued by the office. To help us do this, Rochelle Litau joins us. Rochelle is a consumer specialist in the Consumer Protection Division. Rochelle, welcome back to Council for the State. Thanks, Scott. I'm happy to be here. So what is Consumer Protection Week? So National Consumer Protection Week is a nationwide event um, spearheaded by the Federal Trade Commission. I believe they started celebrating this in 1998, so to be the 24th annual NCPW, as we like to call it. And it's a time for consumer protection agencies basically across the country to make a concerted effort to help people understand their consumer rights and make informed decisions about their money. Excuse me, did you say who has, since 1998, who has organized the event? The Federal Trade Commission. Okay. And they have taken the lead. And then a number of offices like ours, uh, attorney generals across the country, attorneys general, excuse me, uh, who also have consumer protection divisions. Are there others that you're aware of who participate in National Consumer Protection Week besides the state AGs and the Federal Trade Commission? So yeah, in addition to the Federal Trade Commission, there are other federal agencies that participate every year, um, such as the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the Social Security Administration. Um, unfortunately, social, social security scams are still out there, so Social Security likes to participate in this as well. And then in addition to attorneys, general's office, attorneys general offices across the U.S., um, there are nonprofit organizations that also participate, such as the Better Business Bureau and AARP. So when this week is upon us in the Consumer Protection Division here in the Idaho Attorney General's Office, what kind of outreach do we do? So we are not doing a ton of in-person things this year, um, but our division does do a number of participate in a number of outreach activities. Um, we publish consumer manuals and those are available on the Attorney General's website and they are full of information about consumer protection related topics. Um, I encourage anybody who you know might be looking at signing a contract or buying a car, check out our consumer manuals. You'll find great tips in there. Um, we also provide consumer protection tips and information on the Attorney General's Twitter account. Um, we are distributing materials to our local libraries 
um, on consumer protection and education related topics. So those, if you stop by your libraries later on this week, um, hopefully will be out for folks. And then um, we also provide in-person and virtual presentations on consumer protection topics. We don't have any of those happening this week, but coming up in April, as part of the Idaho Scam Jam Alliance, we're members of that, we are participating in two scam jams, our virtual scam jams. One is on April 14th and the other is on April 21st. One of the things that we talk about on a regular basis, um, and we've talked about here on Council for the State, are all of the scams that you folks in our Consumer Protection Division hear about on a very regular basis. Um, what are some of the, the most recent consumer complaints you've received regarding the latest iterations of scams in consumer protection? So Scott, unfortunately, we are hearing about the power company scams again. Um, these kind of ebb and flow and yeah, power company scams are seem to be popular. What happens with these is you may receive a phone call from somebody who claims that they're with your power company. And the, the scammer will say that you're behind on your bills. And unless you pay them immediately over the phone, your power is going to be shut off. So that one, unfortunately, is, is on the rise again. Um, another one that we've received calls on recently um, is social security imposter scams. This is a similar type of thing where a caller will say that there's a problem with your social security number and they try to get you to disclose your social security number to them and pay them to fix this big problem that exists with your, with your account. And then um, a recent scam that I, I spoke with a gentleman about, and these are probably the most heartbreaking to hear about, was a romance scam. Um, his son had met a woman online who was supposedly out of the country, and um, this woman talked his son into sending her money, and then she asked for more money because she had this fake emergency. And so the son called dad to see if he would loan him money to send to this woman. And thank heavens, his father reached out to us. Um, but it did sound like dad kind of thought this might be a romance scam. And the son, the son was emotionally invested with this woman um, because these romance scammers groom their victims. And I don't know if he was able to convince his son that that this woman might not be who she says she is. So I would say the power scams, government imposter scams, and then those romance scams are probably the ones that, that we're hearing about most often right now. And we've talked about this before, I believe when you were on the, the podcast um, a year or two ago when we discussed some of the scams, we talked about it with Brett DeLang, the Consumer Protection Division Chief here in the Idaho uh, AG's office. All of these, those are different scams, but there is one common theme throughout, and that is there's an emergency. There's a sense of urgency. You must act right now based on this problem that has occurred or, or is occurring correct? That is, that is correct. Yeah. You know, these scammers are, they're always trying to pressure you to act with the exception of the romance. I'll, I'll, I'll throw the romance scam out of there, but they are pressuring you. They say something is time sensitive and they want you to act immediately. Um, romance scammers are a little different. They're, they're kind of the odd, the odd duck in this, 
uh, scenario where, like I said, they will target somebody and then groom that victim over a series of weeks and sometimes even months to earn their trust. And it can result in huge dollar loss um, for the victim because they do trust that person in ways that somebody falling victim to like a government imposter scam might not. Rochelle, how long have you been a consumer protection specialist in our office? Let's see. I, since nine, I was going to say 19, not, not 19, 2019. <laughs> okay. So you're, you're three years in, have the scams that you hear about and the folks in your division hear about on a regular basis changed a whole lot or at their very, you know, kind of core level, they're essentially the same today as they were three years ago or five years ago or however long we've been hearing about these schemes. I ask that because it seems like they are, maybe you hear, you know, variations uh, in these scams, but they tend to be very consistent. Would you agree with that or are they, are they changing? I, I would agree that they seem like a lot of times, you know, they are cyclical. We see them what, you know, become popular, wane and then come back. And then a lot of times, ones that are newer are kind of variations on, on what, on previous ones. Um, I would say there are two, two things that seem to evolve a bit as far as scams go. And the first would be how scammers contact potential victims. I think people automatically think a scammer is going to call you and don't get me wrong. That happens a lot a lot of times, um, but more and more we're seeing scams that originate on social media um, or through texting. Like I said, those, so, those romance scams, a lot of times those end up happening with somebody you meet on um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, that sort of thing. And then um, throughout the pandemic, we've seen like a rise of scams through texting. Um, especially those texts that pretend they're Amazon and they say, oh, there's a problem with your delivery. You must contact us or whatever. Um, So I think folks should really be aware that the way a scammer is going to contact you, just because it doesn't occur over the phone doesn't mean something's not a scam. Um, And then the second evolving thing that I I seem to have noticed with scams is how they, how the scammers want to be paid. Um, Like, the the more traditional method is that wire transfer and now we're hearing a lot about scammers especially in the past couple years wanting to be paid with gift cards and then also we've seen a rise in scammers asking for direct payment through apps like cash app venmo zelle those sorts of things so based on where people are, uh, where we're communicating, whether it be on, on apps or social media, that sort of thing. The scammers eventually are going to find us there, and then they're also going to, sounds like, kind of update their game, uh, if you will, based on the technology available to them when they see, you know, like you just mentioned, a cash transfer app that that is now, you know, on the iTunes store and people are, are using Therefore, it's just yet another tool in their tool tool belt to scam us. Correct. Correct. Bingo. Yeah. If 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 you use a certain method to communicate, scammers will too. Just like you said. And so, yeah. Just just because somebody contacts you, like I said, via text or you know through private message in Instagram, doesn't mean that that is 
100% a legitimate contact. We are with Rochelle Litau on this edition of Council for the State here with the Idaho Attorney General's Office. I'm Scott Graff. We're talking about consumer protection wake issues, and we're currently talking about scams and other fraud-related matters. Rochelle, when you go out into the public and you do outreach, um, and you talk to someone who is maybe somewhat familiar with these, maybe they've you know, heard about it on the news here and there, or maybe it's something that, that has affected a, a friend or a family member firsthand. You're offering them sort of the do's and don'ts. What are the kind of the top level above the fold, if you will, uh, pieces of advice that you share with them? I would say, and, and we touched on this a little bit already, but never ever let someone pressure you into acting without thinking something through. Um, you know, a legitimate government agency is not going to threaten you. Um, scammers want you to panic and they want you to act without thinking. So that is probably one of our top things that we try to share with folks. Um, you know, and I said, I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. If something sounds too good or too bad to be true, it probably is. Um, you know, people get really excited when they get a phone call the, out of the blue and they're told, oh, you won a million dollars. Yeah, that sounds great, but it sounds almost too good to be true. And it probably is. I, I've received a, a lottery scam myself on, on my personal cell phone. The scammer called me, told me I'd won. And he asked how far I lived from the, the closest Walmart. And I said, oh, about 20 minutes. And he said, well, I want you to go down there, buy $500 worth of gift cards because you have to pay the, the tax fees on this winnings. And we want to do it as fast as possible. So go down, buy the gift cards, and then I'll call you back in 20 minutes. I mean, they are, they are so tricky. They prey on you thinking that something good happened or something bad happened. You know, they'll say your grandchild is in a Caribbean jail. You know, that's, it sounds too bad to be true, but people get scared and they act without thinking. Um, and then the final thing, especially because we've seen so, such a huge rise in gift card, you know, scammers asking to be paid with gift cards. If anybody ever asks you to make a payment using a gift card, it's a scam. I've never, ever heard of a legitimate business asking for payment with a gift card. Or, of course, a government agency is never going to do that either. I had a conversation, I think, last fall with a, an older family member. Uh, who had been, I think, on Facebook and contacted through Facebook uh, with the opportunity to, I think, apply for, and it wasn't even really an application process. It was essentially, if you say you want this, you will get it. And it was like in the form of a federal grant. And it was thousands and thousands of dollars that was essentially free money. And this person, I, I believe the scam had involved others and and maybe i don't exactly know how the scammers would have done this but it made it appear that that friends of this individuals had endorsed it and had participated in it and were giving it their blessing which made it all the more convincing and i said to this person i said you know just step back for a moment you know and, and ask yourself and through a kind of a cynical lens is it really possible for me to just you know hand over this information and then all of a sudden get tens of thousands of dollars in free money based on 
absolutely nothing, you know, not a need or anything like that. There was no, you know, application process and then it would be considered like a normal grant would. And, but that was it. It was having a conversation with them on a very frank level saying, look, this is too good to be true. Use your, you know, common sense that you have plenty of, but this person, they were, they were excited by the proposition of getting, you know, basically a lot of free money for little to no work and kind of had to bring them back to, to reality. Fortunately, it worked. Fortunately, we had that conversation before they got duped. But um, sadly, I'm certain there are others who didn't have a similar conversation and probably um, had personal information taken from them, had money, you know, taken from them, whatever. So it's really a, a, a sad thing. And that's more of a comment than a question. But I guess one thing I would say to you in the form of a question is, we have talked about these scams and variations of these for a really long time. Does it surprise you that we still hear from people that get caught off guard and find themselves in a situation where they've been scammed based on the fact that, yes, there's some evolution here, but really these are the same scams that we've been talking about for maybe even 10, 12 years? I, I think any of us have the potential to fall victim to a scammer and scammers will it's like they're they're fishing right and they're they're fishing for whoever is vulnerable or hungry at that time and and you know if i get called by a scammer on you know i'm having a good day and everything's fine i'm going to i'm going to recognize that but let's say you know what if I had a huge house um, repair that needed to be done and I need money and I, you know, and I get this amazing thing about a grant and it seems like kismet. It's, it's amazing. And it's scammers will hit somebody when they're vulnerable. And, and like I said, we all have the potential. So, you know, even though somebody may in one circumstance, recognize something's a scam, depending on where they are in their life in another circumstance, they may not. And so I think, you know, with your friends and family, you know, talk about scams, but if you ever have a loved one who falls victim, you know, practice kindness, um, because it's not, somebody's not, it's not that they're not intelligent and that's why they fell for it. It's because, they just got hit up in the wrong circumstance and, and it happened. So, you know, and, and we always say, and I, I love that story, Scott, that, that this person you knew reached out to you um, because unfortunately, you know, we have folks who don't have anybody to reach out to. And, and we always encourage um, our constituents and Idahoans call us if you don't know, and you don't, you're afraid to talk to your family member or you don't have anybody in the area close to you that you can talk to, you are always welcome to call us. And we are, we hear everything that's going around and we are happy to talk through those with folks. And while you have a moment and we're on the topic, will you share the contact information for the attorney general's consumer protection division, the phone numbers? Absolutely. Our phone number is 208-334-334. 24. So 208-334-2424. And 
I need to double check. I always, for some reason, I can, I still do not have our 800 number memorized. Here we go. It is our 800 number. This is toll free in Idaho. 800-432-3545. So that was 800-432-3545. And you can always check our website as well if, you know, you need to, which is just ag.idaho.gov. Great. Thank you. Um, Rochelle, we're going to switch gears, talk about our consumer protection report, the annual report that we recently uh, made available uh, to the public discussing the work of our consumer protection division, in this case, back in 2021. Before we do, is there anything else you would like to discuss in the realm of scams and National Consumer Protection Week? You know, I I can't think of anything. Um, I I think we covered it. But again, If anybody ever has questions, please reach out to us. Okay. So while we're talking about consumer issues, we wanted to to shed a little bit of light on our annual consumer protection report. This is a report that your division has put together for years and years and years. And the most recent one, I believe, was posted in uh, late January or early February for 2021. And one of the things that I always find to be the most interesting is the top 10 complaint categories. Tell us a little bit about this list. I'm looking at it on our current PDF, which is available on the AG's website, ag.idaho.gov. It's on page 18 of the 2021 report. What am I seeing here, Rochelle? So our office offers voluntary dispute resolution. So if you end up having um, a problem with the business and you're not able to resolve it, you are welcome to file a consumer complaint with us. The easiest way to do that is on our website. And if it's appropriate, what we will do is we will forward your complaint to the business for a response. And um, last year we received, I think, 1,165 complaints from folks um, in Idaho and across the U.S. So if somebody is not in Idaho, but it's an Idaho business, they can also file a complaint with us. And um, of those 1,000 plus complaints, we have our top 10 complaint categories. And the number one category for complaints um, was motor vehicle complaints. And motor vehicles have been the top category, I think, for at least the last seven years, probably longer than that. And these can be complaints um, regarding vehicle purchases or repairs or even advertisements um, that folks see from from dealerships. So motor vehicles is number one. Number two this year was construction and contractor complaints. Which perhaps uh, with the state of our economy here in the state of Idaho with the growth and everything that we've had, um, I guess that that second one doesn't surprise me. Construction and contractors, just based on the volume of work that's being done, and I suppose with the volume of work that's being done, there's going to be some complaints. To put that in perspective, it's 144 for motor vehicles and 89 for construction and contractors. So a pretty substantial gap between number one and number two. Landlord and tenant issues. That's number three. I see. Give me an example of, you know, what a typical landlord tenant issue might be that shows up here on the top 10 complaint category? So the, the one that would, um, that comes to my mind most often would be if somebody has moved out of a rental unit and 
is has a dispute with their landlord about the amount of the security deposit that was returned to them, that sort of thing. Um, landlord tenant issues are, are a bit interesting um, because our office does not enforce landlord tenant law in the state of Idaho. Um, a lot of that is done through the courts, but in the realm of security deposits, if that is if that falls under the Idaho Consumer Protection Act, um, then it's something that we would put through our dispute resolution. Um, but even though we don't enforce landlord tenant law in the state, we do get a lot of questions about it. So one of our consumer manuals on our website is the landlord tenant manual. And that one, if you are a tenant or a landlord, I highly encourage you to download that. Um, it's a PDF. Or if you do not have access to a computer, call us. We're happy to mail you a hard copy of it. Um, it is a really great kind of basic overview about landlord-tenant matters in the state. So, um, yeah. I will go through the rest of the list here quickly. It's just interesting to see what you folks hear about. So number four, household appliances and fixtures. Number five, banking services. Uh, a tie at number five, healthcare, including medical, dental, and optical. There was a tie at number six, internet service providers and non-consumer matters. So these are issues outside of consumer protection, but that uh, we're notified of regardless. Seven, recreational vehicles. Eight, cell phones and services. Nine, loans and mortgage lenders. And 10, I thought this was interesting because it was not ranked previously, but moving companies, which perhaps is another sign uh, of our growth here or another, um, I don't want to say symptom, but effect, if you will, of our our growth in the state of Idaho. The others that I mentioned ranked this year and not ranked in 2020, or ranked in 2021, but not 2020. Cell phones and services, RVs, that, you know, we've seen a huge spike in the number of RVs sold across the West based on COVID. And then uh, healthcare, med medical, dental, and optical also ranked in 2021, but not in 2020. So that is the top 10 complaint categories. That is an annual feature in the Consumer Protection Division's annual report. Uh, again, it's on page 18 of the PDF if you want to um, take a look at it yourself. Rochelle, before we wrap this up, you mentioned the informal uh, complaint resolution process. Will you, for those who don't necessarily understand that service that we provide, walk us all the way through kind of a typical successful resolution instance? So, yeah, um, like I had mentioned, if somebody is having a problem with a business, if they have a disagreement in some sort of fashion, they can submit a consumer complaint to our office. Um, it is reviewed. And then if it's appropriate, if what the consumer is alleging is a potential violation of the Idaho Consumer Protection Act, we will forward that complaint to the business and ask them to respond. And I will say, you know, the magic word in our process is voluntary dispute resolution. So we can't force or require a business to resolve a complaint, but I would say most businesses do respond to us. Um, you know, most businesses out there are, are on the up and up. They are legitimate and sometimes they may not know about something. And so once they receive a complaint, the business will respond and let's say maybe there was an advertisement that advertised something at a certain rate and 
if the business didn't get the advertised price, maybe the business offers to provide them a refund for that much. You know, that those things happen. Um, we always encourage folks to reach out to the business yourself first because it's it's good if you can come to an understanding on your own without escalating it to us. But sometimes you you need you might need that extra that extra person just to ask the business to provide a response if for some reason there's a problem that you don't understand why the business isn't isn't resolving it. And does each consumer complaint result in us reaching out to the business that the complaint is about? Not necessarily. Um, for example, in that top 10 list, you had mentioned that you saw the non-consumer matters. So if a consumer contacts us about a complaint, let's say it's against a financial institution. Those are complaints that the Idaho Department of Finance is a more appropriate agency for that complaint, we forward those to that agency. If somebody's complaining about an insurance company, we may forward the complaint to the Department of Insurance, again, because they are more appropriate for, for that particular complaint. Um, if somebody's contacting us about a matter that we don't have regulatory authority over, then we would not forward that, that type of complaint. But we always let the consumer know that. So they, so they are waiting and thinking, well, I complained, what happened? We will let them know whether or not we forwarded it. And then if we get a response or when we get a response, we share that response with the consumer. Very good. Excellent. Rochelle, I appreciate this information. It's very timely considering we are now in National Consumer Protection Week. Thank you for making yourself available. Is there anything before you go that you would like to add to the conversation? I, I, I feel like we've covered a lot. Um, I just want to thank you. And um, again, anybody ever has questions, check out our website at ag.idaho.gov or give us a phone call at 208-334-2424. Rochelle Littow, thank you very much for being with us and for all that you do for Idaho consumers in the AG's Consumer Protection Division. Thank you, Scott. And thanks to you as well for joining us here on Council for the State. A reminder that each podcast episode is available in three ways. Episodes are archived online at ag.idaho.gov, where they can be played directly from the website in case you're not a podcaster. Um, that includes mobile devices as well. They're also available through Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Again, thank you for joining us. See you next time.